Welcome to the Ocean and Me podcast. I am your host, Caroline. Let's jump into the waves of today's episode. This is a very special episode, the Ocean and Me. I have the honor to talk to one of my heroes. She is one of the most famous shark conservationists in the world. She has spent most of her life fighting for the lives of all shark species. She is known as Shark Girl in the ocean conservation world. So everyone, please give a warm welcome to Madison Stewart. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, it's such an honor having you here. I am super excited to talk about my favorite subject in the whole wide world, sharks. Oh, we have that in common. <laughs> all right, let's get started. So I wanted to start the episode like I do with all episodes when asked, like by asking, when did you realize that you had the pa- passion for the ocean? Because I heard a rumor that your first shark encounter was when you were six years old. Can you tell us more yeah. about that? That's, um, that's a great question. So yeah, when I was two years old, my parents, my mom and my dad decided that we were going to live on a sailboat. So I was uh, in the ocean, like for most of my early childhood. And then I was quite young when I started seeing sharks. So I think I always had the passion for the ocean just because of that upbringing. Yeah. And I guess that's where the journey of sharks started with you, because I heard from another podcast that you were pulled out from school from your dad because, because he wanted you to see the world. And is that where the shark, and I'm guessing that's where the shark journey started for you? So when I was really young, my dad like wanted to dive more. That's Mm -hmm. something that he really wanted to get me into as well. And I was stoked to be a part of it. So we were diving a lot while I was still at school. And that's when I just kind of fell in love with sharks. And I think that the reason I fell in love with sharks from a very early age, even before I'd seen them in the wild, is because everyone was scared of them. And I thought that that was really cool. So I've always loved sharks. And then I got to start seeing them. And then When my dad pulled me out of school, we got to dive a lot more. But unfortunately, by that stage, what I was seeing was more bad than good. Um, Sharks that I'd grown up diving with were like disappearing and being overfished. And it was getting harder and harder for us to see things in the ocean. So I started seeing a pretty drastic change in the ocean when I was quite young. Yeah. Could you explain more like why were the shark population specifically in the Great Barrier Reef? Because I know that's where you kind of grew up um, with sharks. Why was that population declining due to overfishing? Well, you know, there's there could be a number of reasons and we can't say for sure which one it is. But I know when I started looking into it when I was young enough to see the change, I discovered that there were legal shark fisheries on the Great Barrier Reef. And that was kind of a crazy realization. So not only was it legal to fish sharks on the Great Barrier Reef, but more than 120 vessels had licenses to do so. So that kind of like really shocked me. And that's kind of where I started the work that is featured in the film that you brought up to me earlier, Shark Girl. So I started, you know, like um, making plans to help those sharks, raising awareness about these fisheries and really looking into these fisheries. And when I did, I found out that it was very unsustainable. They weren't catching a lot of target species. There was a lot of bycatch and it was just something really bad happening to the sharks on the Great Barrier Reef. So I guess it all started from there. It started in my own backyard in the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. I can't imagine how it must have felt like seeing something that you grew up loving disappearing because I know that you kind of like describe sharks as your siblings. So I can't not imagine that kind of sort of like achy feeling. I'm so sorry about that. 
it is really interesting because I don't know if I hadn't have seen bad things happening to sharks at that age, I probably would have never become involved in conservation because it's Mm -hmm. something that I did because I felt like I had to and because of the drastic changes I had seen. So in one way, it was good. Yeah, totally. And I think when it comes to like fighting for like a specific cause, I liked how you um, brought back Shark Girl for a second because I love that documentary. It's one of my favorite (laughs) shark documentaries ever. And you were the star of Shark Girl. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about that documentary? Yeah, it it started when I was like your age. I was like 17 when it started and it was kind of crazy. It was um it was just this these people had approached me and they were like we see the work you're doing and we want to make a film about it. And you know it's so funny the first time I had a meeting with them I said no. I said <laughs> I didn't I know. I said I didn't want to be on TV. I didn't want to be in your documentary because and this is why. I thought to myself as soon as they get footage of me with a shark they're going to do a story about how sharks are bloodthirsty killers and they're going to make them look bad because that's how the media always used to be with sharks like always so I initially said no and then once I got to know them a little better and they told me the plan for the story and all the places we were going to go dive I was like okay I'm going to do this it sounds really cool and that film was obviously an amazing thing to be a part of taught me a lot about filmmaking but also I, I got to do a lot in the process of that film being made yeah, I'm still kind of shocked that you said no the first time. I was straight up said yes. I know, <laughs> definitely. Like, um, it's hard for me to explain to people that I actually never wanted to be on TV and never wanted to be famous because it's pretty much all I do these days. <laughs> so a, a lot of people like, you know, they, they kind of want the same thing. And I, I see it happen a lot. You know, people want to be famous and they want to be on TV. And those people never go anywhere because they get into it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. But I truly think that a big part of my success was the fact that I just cared about sharks. I didn't actually care about being famous at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I do want to ask, did the name Shark Girl just like came with the documentary or did you like gain that name for like another like scenario beforehand? That's so funny that you asked that because I actually don't love that name, but I can't get rid of it. So um, I was interviewed for a local newspaper in my town where I grew up in Australia and they kind of said, oh, we're going to call it Article Shark Girl. And I was like, oh, no, please don't. I just thought it was a little bit kind of corny and embarrassing. Uh, But, you know, what's funny is that, like, I guess it really attracted in a lot of the younger audience and it is how I was known, like, at school and throughout my childhood. So it was just a relatable thing. So in the end of the day, I was like, okay, I guess it's a good thing if it's going to bring in more people. Yeah, it definitely brought me and many other like kids who want to learn more about sharks. So yeah, I do like the name. I really do. (laughs) Anyways, so I really like to talk about the film for just like a quick second, because one of my favorite moments from Shark Girl was like, in that one scene where you were in Australia and with, I think it was your dad, and you guys drove to this known well-known shark fin district I don't remember what it was called but you guys went to that district and you use a projector to show off what I like to call the truth about sharks by using <laughs> footage from some of your dives and some videos of dead sharks at night in public and personally I thought that was badass and um, I would never have done that so would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about that yeah, it, it was, I'm not gonna lie, it was definitely badass. And since then, I've done a lot more things that are kind of badass. I once did a protest in the middle of a city in Australia. 
where really? I wore a biohazard suit and a gas mask and I had a dead baby shark in my arms and I sat there for an entire day Are you to teach serious? people. Yeah, and it was all about raising awareness about mercury levels and shark meat. So I like those kind of drastic things. Um, so the, the projector was really, really cool. It was the first time doing that. And the restaurant that we, like the building that we projected onto was actually a place that sold shark fin soup. So, really? yeah, we just really wanted to kind of send a message and raise awareness of the people going in and out. And so many people stopped to talk to us and find out more. And it was really amazing. And I was so scared the whole night. I was like, okay, probably going to get arrested, but that's okay. And, you know, it just ended up being a really, really cool thing and a really good way to, to raise awareness and capture people's attention. Yeah, totally. Please let me know if you're doing any other like protests in Australia, because I would really like to participate with you as well, because that sounds so <laughs> awesome. And yeah. Yeah. But I didn't realize that Australia still like sold shark fin soup. Is that true? It's very true. Yes. There's actually um a lot of places that you would think don't have it that still have it. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And I'm just like really glad that my country, um, that the U.S. has um, banned shark fin soup. And well, I don't know if we ever sold it, but still we have right now, I think we're still in the process of like ending um, banning shark hunting or like finning, but I still think we're making very good progress. It's progress, but there's still a lot of things that go on. We have large shark fishing, uh, like commercial shark fisheries in the mm -hmm. U.S. And we we still have a lot of shark products. One of the big things, for example, is uh, sharks use in vitamins. So they sell cartilage tablets that's often made out of sharks. So there are still quite a lot of things that we need to pay attention to, but there's definitely been some progress made in the last few years over the fin bands, that's for sure. Yeah, and yeah, that's so true. And there's still so much work to be done. We need to continue fighting to help shark species because if we don't, our ocean can be in jeopardy. So. Yeah. Okay, so going back to the film, um, towards the end of the documentary, you had a meeting with, I believe it was one of the biggest shark meat companies, Woolworths, if I'm correct. So and imagine your um, Publix or Walmart or Whole Foods. It was like the Australian version of that. Woolworths is like our number one grocery store. Yeah, and you, I believe you had a meeting with them and, uh, and would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about what happened? Okay, this is a depressing story because this is something that your audience, if involved in conservation, is going to experience a lot in their life. Mm -hmm. They did not take me seriously. They laughed at me and they kind of treated me really bad and they said some mean things. That's pretty standard. Nothing I yeah. didn't expect. But I had with me results from a mercury test from shark meat that I had bought from their store. And the results showed that the meat was not only in a legal level of mercury, but it was high enough to cause damage to young children or pregnant women if they ate the shark meat because of the mercury content. So mm -hmm. it didn't matter that they didn't take me seriously because the information I had with me was enough to raise their attention. So I sat down with them and I showed them that and they were kind of gobsmacked and they kind of wondered what to do about it. And it's funny because uh, like a couple weeks after that, they stopped selling shark, but they never told us why. They never gave out a statement saying that they were officially going to stop, but they did take it off the shelves. I don't know if that's stuck. It's probably come back since then. There's probably still some places that sell it, but for a little while there, 
they definitely paid attention to what we had to say. And mm-hmm. I got to expose those facts on Shark Girl. So it was, it worked out for me. Yeah, that I think that that was really great that we had um, some progress made, especially with like companies that are known to sell shark meat. And I think when we come with like big challenges, like trying to convince like a big, like a known company or known government about the reality of shark finning and shark meat selling, um, it can be a bit of a challenge because they sometimes don't take us seriously because seriously but I feel like if we really present the facts I think we could definitely make big progress so I do want to congratulate you on that and I am just so impressed by you that was so amazing well done (laughs) thank you and it's you know it's like it's something that you're gonna get in your future in this industry but you should never let it discourage you no just gotta roll with the punches I guess (laughs) exactly yeah so moving on, um, you actually have a podcast of your own called Shark Stories, and yeah. I believe season two is out, if that's correct? Yes, season two is out, and I think we've released about five episodes. Do you mind telling the audience a w- little bit more about that? So I have a friend that uh, does podcasting, and she does a really cool podcast called The Untamed Girl, and I appeared as a guest on her podcast. And after that, she wrote to me and she was like, hey, you've got a lot of cool things to say. Have you ever thought about doing your podcast? And just like with Shark Girl, I said, no, not really. And then she offered to help me create the podcast. So I agreed to it. And then I started interviewing people, really interesting people that I had met throughout my work. So there's a lot of really, really cool episodes in there and a lot of information. Um, I get asked by a lot of people, how can I help? Why is this legal? Where do shark fins come from? What's going on here, here, and here? So now I can just actually direct them to the podcast, which is really cool because it has all that information in there. Yeah, I actually went through your guest list um, of your podcast and it's really pretty amazing. You talked to William McKeer, who wrote Emperors of the Deep, which is a really great shark book that I really enjoyed. And you also um, interviewed Paul D. Gelder, a Shark Week legend, and I'm a, such a huge fan of him. And I think one of the main th- things that I really like about your podcast is that you present to the audience about everything shark science, obviously, but you also share stories of people who survived shark attacks, who um, who made them like shark ambassadors like Paul D. Gelder, and also stories yeah. that stories about the horror of the shark meat industry your podcast does such an amazing job of putting these key points into natural conversations so that the audience can learn more and understand more about sharks it's just so amazing i'm just so inspired by you and this is just this is like a huge progress being made into the ocean concert in the shark conservation world and i just can't even be even describe how impressed i am and how much you have done for the shark conservation world this podcast is just so amazing thank you I have to ask what's your favorite episode oh god um I listen to the William McKeever a little bit and I have to say I do love that episode because it talks a little bit about something that even I have not read enough in shark conservation the slavery in the ocean with um shark fishermen and that's something I didn't know until I read the book so I personally love that episode because I got to learn more about that subject and yeah but I am looking forward to listening to the Paul D. Gelder episode because I really want to listen to that because I'm such a huge fan of him him and Andy Casagrande who's a really famous 
shark um cinematographer for shark week he, those two individuals were in like a shark show that made me inspired to learn more about sharks so that's so cool yeah they're a good team and they're in shark week a lot and i actually you know that andy shot some of the underwater scenes in shark girl really yep i've known him since i was very very young and he helped shoot some of shark girl and then i knew paul um for a while now obviously because his attack story is quite famous in australia but there's um i'm really like hoping that one day in the future i can do a podcast with andy just to talk about all his amazing great wide encounters and then i want to do one with paul watson the captain of sea shepherd as well so those are the ones that i have coming up okay please let me know when those episodes are coming out because i really love to listen to them and yeah would you consider this like a shark stories like um crossover yeah I guess so I mean I I usually get to do the interviewing I don't always get to answer the questions it's like being on spot now I know what I put everyone else through (laughs) yeah I yeah when I heard that you were coming on um I was like oh my god I need to make sure I need to get these questions right I need to like I I need to learn everything about her I need to (laughs) like I need to know like what she's gonna answer like yeah you have you man this is like I've only done this for like six months now and it's a lot of work (laughs) it is yes and I I often struggle with my podcasting as well to do the research and then it's so crazy because I thought that I had a really good knowledge of everything sharks but until I started researching my podcast oh my gosh there's so much that I didn't know and so much that I learned just by doing that research which was really really cool yeah and also there's a little bit about the nervousness of speaking because when I was young I had like a speech delay which meant I didn't speak until like a little bit later and um it kind of affected with my uh public speaking and I usually hated public speaking and it was a bit of a challenge to do like the ocean and me with my um public speaking um fears but I've just gotten natural with it and it's and it's kind of like once you kind of start it just get becomes natural so yeah Yeah, now you're hosting a podcast that's awesome and it probably helps that you're speaking about something you're truly passionate about yeah and it's also like great to like not see the audience because that's also what makes me a little bit nervous (laughs) yeah I agree yeah I do want to make a quick quick note because I remember in the episode where you talked to William McKeever about there's not a lot of like shark good shark books I've read The Devil's Teeth, not a huge fan. Um, but I will say um, The Emperors of the Deep was a really good book for me. And also there was this um, Rob Stewart book. Oh my God, what was it called? I read it like a year ago. I think it was called Saving Humans or something, but it was about his like journey with um, the movie Shark Water and it was such a great book. I totally recommend reading it. Yeah. All right. So moving on, I know that you don't, I remember you saying this in like a podcast interview that you really, and a little bit in this podcast that you really don't like the media because how they depict sharks. And I can understand why, but on Instagram, you really tried to show the reality of shark finning and shark overfishing and shark soup with showing like, I remember I was looking through your Instagram pictures and um, you were showing like these like reels or like videos of like dead sharks like lined up in like a fishing facility. Yeah. Or are you holding like a dead shark's fin? I do have to ask, like, how does that like showing those kinds of like photos like help with the shark conservation? 
So my Instagram is very graphic. And I think I'm one of the only kind of like, I guess, kind of big Instagrammers for sharks that shows graphic images. And the reason I do it is because this stuff is happening every single day Mm -hmm. and people don't really realize it and they don't know that they have direct ways of impacting it. So I think it's really important to show. I think it's important that everybody remains aware of all the things happening in our oceans, but also why. So I like to show these things just to keep people on their toes and, and help them realize that sharks do still need our help. Yeah, I totally agree. Like every time I see like a dead shark, it just is just like a reminder for me that I need to continue to keep keeping fighting to help shape sharks. See, it's like I can inspire people that don't know and then I can encourage people like yourself to keep going. And that's so worth it for me. That's such a great outcome of posting those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. And I also seen on Instagram, you also show like pictures and videos of you befriending like local fishermen, um, which I think is like super cool. But what are you trying to show the audience with those kinds of like pictures? Uh, what kind of pictures do you mean exactly? Uh, like Indonesia? Yeah, in Indonesia, like you are like um, hanging out with some of like, I don't know if they're like actually shark fishermen, but like local fishermen, if that makes yeah. any sense. No, they are shark fishermen. Those men go to sea for two weeks and they've killed more sharks than I've seen in my life. So the purpose of me hanging out with them is that I am forming friendships and bonds and relationships with them that not only help my work and help me to transition them into tourism and away from fishing, which is the project Mm -hmm. that I do in Indonesia, but because they're really cool people. And I think it's really important for everybody to realize that not everybody out there killing sharks is doing so because they're evil. These guys, this is their job. This is how they make money. And I never want people to think that they're bad people just because they're out doing this, which is super hard as a conservationist. You know, you don't want to be friends with these people. These people are killing sharks. Mm-hmm. But when you can manage to be friends with them and you make those relationships and you realize what their motives are, it becomes a lot easier to form those connections with them. So I think it's important to show that we can all be friends and that they are actually really nice people just trying to make a living. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's like really amazing because you're showing the audience like, even though that these fishermen uh, are killing sharks, it's not their fault. Like this is the only way. Um, they, this is the only way for them to make money, and it just shows what what we can do to not only like help them with the economy, but also help sharks. So I think that's like something that's like really hard to like do, especially with shark conservation, especially when we're trying to like and shark fishing, which is the only t- kind of income for these fishermen, but also also. But when you're like showing these videos is and also like transitioning from them from like shark fishing to like ecotourism, it's also helping them with their economy. So I think you're doing an amazing job. If I'm thank you. Yeah. And you're totally pressure. right. And it it um it also helps people kind of focus on what the real issue is. So it's not so much the men at the heart of it that we see fishing sharks, but the people that are paying for it. So it's good for that as well. Yeah. I totally agree. Okay, before we head to our important questions, I really want to make note of this. So I think you did like a Shark Week show with Robert Irwin, the son of the late and great Steve Irwin. Do you remember yes, that? I, I do. love I love that show. It was one of my favorite Shark Week shows this year. And it was good. It came out really good. Yeah. What was it like to scuba dive with Robert Irwin? 
oh my God, I was in tears like every five minutes. You know, we all grew up watching Steve Owen and being Australian, he's like more important to us than our actual prime minister. So it was, it was very emotional watching him just be such an advocate for wildlife and just he's meeting sharks and in my head I'm thinking if this kid loves sharks and that's going to help sharks all over Australia you know so it's it was a big deal it was a really really beautiful all I can say about Robert is he is exactly how he is when the cameras are on and off he loves being there he loves natural world and he's one of the best hopes we have for it yeah and one of my favorite parts of this show was his like smile enthusiasm with seeing like uh, great white or seeing like that small shark species I'm trying hard it's kind of hard to remember what shark species it was but I just loved his enthusiasm and his curiosity when it comes to these species and I think it made me have made me have gave me a little bit of a crush on him and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's gonna get a lot of that in his life um and the thing is too like he so, so he saw the shark that he saw was a wobby young shark and that was his dad's favorite shark so when he saw that shark he started talking about his dad's passion for the ocean and you can't tell in that shot but I'm actually in the background trying not to cry because the way he was talking about it I was like oh my gosh it was really amazing yeah and I think also in the show like they kind of like showed like old footage of Steve with um some new footage of Robert um interacting with sharks and I thought that was really amazing because you really see their relate relations with their enthusiasm with the species and I thought that was super interesting it was such a great show in my opinion yeah yeah I really enjoyed making it and it was really cool yeah are you so wait I do have to ask are you doing any more shark week shows this year or are you taking a little break no I'm I'm gonna do some more so something you need to know about me is I said no to shark week for many years because I very much so disagreed with shark week and I thought that they kind of were leaning more towards looking like making sharks look like jaws again so I kind of took a step back and I was like I don't really want to work in it last year was the first time that I said yes to shows and I was like okay I'm gonna give it a crack and it turns out that it's like the most fun productions to be on I get to work with amazing people that I really care about there are still some shows I'll say no to because I don't believe that Shark Week always has sharks best interest at heart and I'm a conservationist so I don't always work in every show but for mm-hmm. the ones I've been a part of, they've been really amazing. And you can guarantee I'll be in some more in the future. <laughs> yeah. And I hope to see you more in the future with, with Shark Week and other like documentaries. And yeah, I'm hoping that I could be on Shark Week one day because that's also been a passionate dream of mine because it's one of the reasons why I got into shark conservation. And I would really love to be on Shark Week one day. Well, I'll tell you something about Shark Week is that they are always looking for talented scientists but more than anything they need talented female scientists so keep doing what you're doing and hopefully one day you will be yeah and I want to mention mention that because when it comes to like shark conservation or ocean conservation in general there's not a lot of like women representation because I can see that because what when it comes to like role models for me they're mostly men in shark conservation and the only Mm -hmm. like two females that I have actually actual role models to in shark conservation is you and Ocean Ramsey you know Ocean Ramsey right yes I do and yeah you're so right there's so few like strong female leads and there's amazing female scientists but usually they're just too busy working to be in these things so like in front of the camera female leads are are quite difficult and it it we really do need more 
and we need them to be taking the lead more. I have started my project in Indonesia somewhere that countless famous men have been to in the past to film, but none of them could do what I was able to do. So we need to stop doubting ourselves and get ourselves out there more and realize that we have more potential than half the people that are being featured. I couldn't agree more. So moving on to our important questions of each episode, based on your experience with sharks, how would you define your relationship with the ocean? That's a great question. I would say that most people have a really beautiful relationship with the ocean. It's like, yeah, I love the ocean. It makes me feel better. I'm actually quite the opposite. The ocean has been a place of a lot of turmoil for me. Obviously, I've been through a lot in the ocean. I film a lot of bad things. Um, I often like go places that I don't necessarily want to go to film things that are happening. So it's not always like my place of peace. I say that we have quite a complicated relationship. But I do love the ocean and it did raise me. Yeah. And I like to and I like how you mentioned the complicated relationship. Um, how would how would you define the relationship between the ocean and humanity? Do you think humanity kind of like takes advantage of the ocean? Absolutely. I'd say it's a very toxic relationship and most people don't even understand how important the ocean is to them. And some of them can't be blamed because most people aren't even aware of what's in the ocean. We're very lucky to kind of have seen the things that we've seen in the water. Most people have no idea. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. And I hope like we get to like show more of the ocean to the audience, especially in like documentaries and film. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. And what do you think are the biggest challenges that the ocean is facing today, specifically like threats? I think that overfishing is a huge one. Uh, habitat destruction is another huge one mm-hmm. and in general I think that human population growth is having an impact because we're just trying to keep up with all the things that we usually get from the ocean but we're really just taking it overboard these days I think that those are the major issues and I'm sure some people would expect me to say things like plastic pollution but yeah. the truth is they're actually not as major as issues like overfishing really I live close to the Bay Area and there's like almost like uh, like 72 billion tons of like plastic in the Bay Area. And I always thought that plastic was a big um, issue in the ocean. It is a big deep. issue. It's definitely yeah. a huge issue. But the biggest issue is climate change. Mm-hmm. And I, then we have our other issues such as, like I said, overfishing, all that sort of thing. Um, we need more marine protected areas. And things like fishery subsidies, for example, where um, a lot of places are paying for boats to go further and catch more. So all these things are a huge issue right there next to plastic pollution. But we've been focusing on plastic pollution so long, we tend to forget about the other ones. Yeah, we just got to remember, like, there are so many threats that the ocean is facing that we can't focus on, like, one specific threat, like plastic pollution or overfishing. We need to focus on, like, all the threats that the ocean is facing um totally. at once climate change overfishing pollution all those things if we can like figure out a way to manage all the um prevent all these threats maybe the maybe the ocean has a better chance of survival totally so speaking of which what would you suggest that the audience should do to help the ocean um i would go to my website and take a quick look at my how to help list because it lists mm-hmm. a bunch of products that you can find shark parts in so that helping to avoid Um, buying any of those sorts of things is really important Um, 
And then there's a bunch of other things you can do on top of that, like certain petitions you can sign, things that you can follow. Mm -hmm. I will definitely like put your um, website link onto the bio above. And could you like maybe like, I would really love to know like what kind of products are sharks in? Because I know lotion is a thing, cosmetics, what are are things? Okay, Um, this is going to be shocking for some people. So they can be in things like, pet food, vitamins, medicine, hair products, face products, makeup, and fish products, frozen fish, things like that. So there's a number of things that sharks can appear in. Wow. That's really shocking. Yeah. Pet food? Yep. We found pet food in, uh, we, sorry, we found Mako shark in pet food that we had purchased at stores here in Florida um, during the making of shark water extinction. That was one of the things we were looking into and one of the things we found, which was a real shock. But it's also not a shock when you consider how many sharks are caught in fisheries and as bycatch, this happens a lot. And when they have nowhere else to put them, they just chuck them into things that they can use them in. Yeah, 100 100 million sharks are killed every year, which is really unfortunate and really sad. So yeah, check the labels, everyone. And... Okay, this may be not like a surprising question, but I do want to ask, what is your favorite marine animal? But I think I should change it to what is your favorite shark? Okay, um, my, okay, so my second favorite marine animal, just for everyone that's wondering, is the sunfish because they're absolutely adorable and they make absolutely no sense. <laughs> and my favorite shark is the tiger shark. Really? Mm-hmm. I, mine is a tie between a great white and a tiger shark. I love tiger sharks as like stripes on the um on their sides because they look so beautiful. But I also have a small place in my heart for gray whites because they usually um are around the Bay Area during Sharktober, which is like a period yeah. where they come to the Farallon Islands to like um feed and also other things I'm not hundred percent sure on. But yeah, gray whites and um tiger sharks are in my heart. And I can see why you love tiger sharks. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Madison, for being on my podcast today. It was such a huge honor having you. I'm a huge fan. Is there anything else you want to say to our lovely audience? Uh, no, but I'm going to guess that if you're listening to this, then you're pretty cool and you're maybe studying marine biology and you maybe want to get in the ocean more. And my three pieces of advice to everybody, including you, are always stick true to your heart and do things for, for that reason, no other reason volunteer as much as you can because you gain amazing experience and approach everything with compassion instead of hatred and you'll get really far such great advice from such a great legend it's so great to have you here i love this conversation i love everything that we talked about sharks and this was just so amazing having you here um can you tell us again where we can um where can people watch shark girl i know amazon prime is one of them i think it's on itunes as well and Smithsonian and Nat Geo Wild, we play it sometimes. If you're in Australia, you can watch it on the ABC. And there's also quite a few other documentaries that have been in since then that you can watch. And the easiest way to find them is just through social media. And you can always, once you turn 18, join me in Indonesia on one of my Project Heat trips. It would be really cool to see you out there. Yeah, hopefully I could do one of those trips soon. And yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was so great having you here. I enjoyed our conversation and I hope to see you soon. Maybe our paths can cross again in the shark conservation world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good luck with everything. And thank you for being an advocate for sharks.
Oh, thank you. That's so nice to say. All right. <laughs> up and that's the bling. That means it's time to wrap up this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Madison. Be sure to check out the Yoshi and Me podcast on Instagram for new content. And as always, I'll see you next time on the Ocean and Me. I'll see you later.